Welcome to Confessions of a Realtor. As an active, full-time realtor serving Tallahassee and the surrounding areas since 2014, it was time to use my experience to educate consumers on the whys and hows behind the home buying and home selling processes. We'll have some fun, I'll share some crazy real estate stories, and keep you informed on realtors' best kept secrets. Why? Because when you're informed, you can make empowered decisions. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Realtor. We've already discussed parts one and two of purchasing a home. Today, y'all, we are in the final stretch. We are discussing part three of how to purchase a home. So when we left off, we were talking about how important it is that you choose the right lender. One of the other things that you'll do within the first 15 days of your contract is you'll make sure that you can obtain homeowner's insurance on the property. So if you're following along, this should be step number 10, obtain homeowner's insurance. Since most people are going to use a loan, the mortgage lender, the person who gives you the loan or the person who is reviewing your documentation to make sure that you have the loan, one of the things that they are going to make sure that you have as part of your lending process is homeowner's insurance. Now, there are a lot of big names out there. There are also some smaller firms, but let me tell you how we do it. I typically will send out a few homeowners insurance agents that I've had good experience with and that my clients have had good experience with. And you'll want to make sure that you're running through a lot of what I call if and then questions. So for example, if my house catches on fire, then what is the coverage that this plan that you're offering will put into place? The reason why this is so important is because insurance policies can either be junk bucket policies or they can be Cadillac policies. So what I mean by that is you can be underinsured or you can be overinsured. There was a home earlier this year that one of my clients was under contract on and it had no floors in it. It had water damage in the house, but they were willing to look at it as a potential renovation project for them. Now, I asked the seller's agent, hey, why is the house in this condition? And what she told me is that the homeowners chose a cheaper insurance policy and a water pipe burst in the wall of the home. Well, when the water pipe burst in the wall of the home, the policy that they had paid for only fixed the pipe in the wall. It did not fix the damage. It did not replace the floors. And so basically her owners were trying to sell the house under market value because they did not have enough insurance and their plan, they were underinsured and the damage was not covered by their policy. So you always want to make sure that you're asking a lot of questions when it comes down to choosing your homeowner's insurance policy. Step number 11 is a title search that's done by the title company. With a title search, the title company is looking to make sure that the home has no outstanding liens against it that cannot be satisfied at the closing table and that the house can be given to you free and clear. Let's break that down. So a lien is a claim that someone else has filed against the home of a homeowner. Basically, a lien just says, hey, Mr. Seller, you owe me money. I'm going to file a lien against your home so that you can't sell it without the title company seeing this and you being required to pay me back. 
The most common situation that this happens in, and I would say 98% of the time, is a mortgage lien against the home. So most people do not pay off their mortgage completely before they decide to sell their home. They typically have what is called a mortgage payoff or a balance that is still owed to the bank when they go to sell their home. So let's say that you sell your home for $300,000, but you still owe Bank of America $250,000. Bank of America files a lien against your home when you purchased it that basically says, Mr. Seller at 123 Main Street needs to pay us back our money before we release the lien on this home. So that's primarily what comes up in the title search. Another common thing that we see is let's say that the sellers could not afford to pay money out of pocket to replace the roof on a home. Well, a roofer can file a lien or a claim of money owed against the property. The title company will see it. And then at the closing, they'll make sure that the roofing company gets the money that's owed them. This is to make sure that you as the buyer are able to own the house with your own interest in the home and not taking on the interest of the seller, not taking on the debts owed by the seller. Now, that title search, the vast majority of the time, it comes back clean, but it is still a very important step as most of the time you cannot get a mortgage unless the home can be given to you free and clear. Our 12th step is your due diligence period ends. Now, your due diligence period, also called your 15 days according to our Tallahassee contract, or you'll also hear it called the contingency period, it ends on the 15th calendar day of the contract at 11.59 p.m. Now, anything prior to that, if you're unhappy with the inspections on the home, if we've negotiated with the seller and we're just at an impasse, or if your lender is unwilling to give you the loan or they cannot give you the loan because something came up on your credit report or something came up with your income or maybe you lost your job, prior to the 15th day of the contract, If you let me know that, hey, Rachel, I need to cancel this contract, this, that, and the third is going on. If I know that from you and I'm able to draft a termination and send it over to the seller and their agent by 11.59 p.m. on the 15th day, the seller is legally required to give you your earnest money deposit back. Anything past that time frame, even if it's just a few hours past that time frame, the seller has a few options at their disposal. So let's say that you're sleeping on the inspection report and you want just one more night to think about it and you tell me that you're gonna let me know on the 16th day at 8 a.m. I'll typically tell you not to do that. I'll typically tell you, hey, no, I've gotta have an answer by the end of the day today, by the end of the evening. And honestly, as soon as possible, just so that we're not handling all of this stuff last minute and stressing everyone out. But if you still choose to let me know on the 16th day at 8 a.m., even though it's, what, only eight hours past your deadline, the seller can technically choose to do one of two things. The most common thing that they will do, even if you're canceling due to inspections or something that would have been your right to terminate within the first 15 days, is they can agree to only refund a portion of your deposit or they can agree to refund none of your deposit. That is something that buyer and seller agree to in our contract. The second thing that they can do is they technically can sue you. I've been in this industry since 2014 and never had a client sue the opposing side and knock on wood, it'll never happen. 
But that is technically something that the seller can do if you're terminating after the 15th day and they feel that you have not upheld the contract. That leads us to our 13th step of the process, which is seller making repairs and your opportunity to reinspect those repairs. So in this 13th step, the reason why most sellers, most smart sellers will wait until after the 15th day to do any repairs that you're requesting is because nobody knows if the contract is going to go through really until the day that we close, but there is a higher likelihood of you closing as the buyer because most buyers, if they are going to pull out of the contract, they're going to do that within the first 15th day because they know that they can get their earnest money deposit back. Sellers also know this if they're explained this by their agent, and so they'll typically wait until after the 15th day to make any repairs that you're requesting. Once the seller has made the repairs that they have agreed to make, we will have an opportunity to inspect those repairs. So the seller will provide receipts or will let us know that they have completed the work as outlined per the contract. They've repaired the GFCI. They have replaced a plumbing boot on the roof. They have had the AC serviced. Whatever they have agreed in writing to do based on your prior home inspection report, they will notify us that they have done those repairs. Now, that is your opportunity to go back with the home inspector. And typically, home inspectors will charge a very nominal fee to go back and check and make sure that those sellers have done the repairs in a way that they agree with. And this is where I say that there are five, six, seven, eight different ways to fix the same thing. Home inspectors are there to make sure that it is one of the many ways that it actually can be fixed. Now, sometimes we'll get buyer clients that they'll want it fixed a certain way. And to that, I will say, if a buyer wants to choose the way that something is fixed or if they want to use a particular company and the seller is not willing to allow those choices, then the buyer typically needs to handle that themselves after closing. So what we would negotiate in that case is we would typically negotiate just an amount from the seller that we feel is equitable for both parties to where the buyer can get the work done the way that they prefer after closing. The seller is the owner of the property until the closing day. So their repairs should honor the contract that we've negotiated, but also it is up to the seller the way that it is fixed, if as long as it's in accordance with the contract, the vendor that is used, the timing of which it is done. Typically, it just has to be done before closing. That leads us to our 14th step, which is our final walkthrough. So we always do a final walkthrough of the home as close to closing as possible. Typically, I will schedule our final walkthroughs for about 45 minutes to an hour before closing. And the reason for this is that you as the buyer want to make sure that you are seeing the property in a condition that you are comfortable signing off on it at the closing table. At the closing table, you typically will be asked to sign a document that says that the seller has maintained the property to the contract expectations and that you're not holding the seller responsible for anything that happens with the property. The seller is essentially washing their hands of the property at the closing table. It is so important for you to see the property right before closing. I've definitely had some stories with this as to a reason why I always do the final walkthroughs so close to closing. We had one earlier this year 
that the home looked great when we came to do the inspections and throughout the whole process. And then I believe we were closing on a Friday. On Wednesday, we viewed the home. On Thursday, the other agent viewed the home because that's what a good seller's agent will do is they'll take a look at the property as close as they can to closing. And then on Friday, when we were scheduled to close, we went to go do the final walkthrough of the home and we discovered a valve in the primary bathroom sink had split or cracked or broken overnight. And so what we walked into was very squishy carpet, thankfully just in the primary bedroom. So with the time constraint that we had, because you do want to see the property as quickly as we can prior to closing, we coordinated with vendors that we already had relationships. They gave us some quotes after we explained the situation to them. And we got the seller to actually give a little bit more and put a little bit more money in our buyer's pocket. This would not have been possible if we would have done the final walkthrough even the night before or a day or two before. So we always do your final walkthrough as close to closing as we can because we know that is your last chance to hold the seller responsible for anything that has happened with the property. Now, this brings us to our final step, which is closing day. Closing day is typically a time where everybody is excited because the buyer who wanted to buy is now buying and the seller who wanted to sell is now selling. The way that closing typically goes is it ranges from about 30 to 45 minutes, just depending on how many pieces of paper your lender needs you to sign. And the title agent, when you first come in, or the receptionist at the title office will typically collect your ID to make sure that you are who you say that you are. You'll then go into a conference room where typically the buyer and seller will be sitting across from each other, and you'll be signing off on documentation at the closing table. This typically takes, like I said, about 30 to 45 minutes, and you verifying that you are who you say you are, your job situation hasn't changed, your income hasn't changed, you don't know that you're going to be fired from your job, there are no judgments, bankruptcies, and liens filed against you, and you don't know of any that are pending. Why do they ask all these questions as a part of the process? They ask all of these questions because at the end of the day, they need you to repay back the loan that they are giving you. So even up until closing, you are constantly being vetted. Yes, even as you sit at the closing table. After you sign all of the documentation that the title agent will explain to you as you are signing them, the title agent will take what we call the closing package which is that stack of paperwork that you sign at the closing table, and they'll take it back to the lender. The lender will review the documentation, and then they will let their funding department know to send the money to the title company so that the title company can give checks for people who are involved in the process, whether it be the seller or the agents or different vendors, so that everything is closed out on that final day. Now, I am not a fan of late afternoon closings because sometimes if the title agent gives the documentation to the lender's funding department, if it's too close to four or even five o'clock, the title company cannot get the authorization that they need from the lender's funding department to go ahead and make sure that everyone is paid at the closing table and that the deal is officially done. How does this affect you as a buyer? Because typically buyers aren't getting back checks at the closing table. 
The way that it affects you as the buyer is if the seller doesn't get their check from the funding department of the buyer's lender, then a lot of times they won't release the keys to the home to the new buyer. So sometimes if you close too late in the day, this is something that can happen. This is why we always encourage our clients to close at least 3.30 at the latest or before so that this doesn't happen and that no one is upset on closing day. Why do sellers do this? It's a huge liability issue for them. Let's say that you are going to close on a Friday and on that Friday, you don't close until 4.30 and the funding department for your lender cannot release the funds. Well, let's say that you were planning on moving in over the weekend. What if something happens to the property? What if something happens to the property on a Saturday and you were supposed to close on that Friday? However, you got the keys from the seller, but they didn't get their money. And if they didn't get their money, that means that your insurance broker did not typically get their money as well because they're paid as part of the closing. So whose responsibility is it? Where does the liability fall? That is not a conversation that typically buyer and seller want to have. So most of the time, if the funds are not received from the buyer's lender, the seller will hold on to the keys. So definitely you want to make sure that you close early. Recapping our discussion from today, we picked up at step number 10, which is you want to make sure that you can get homeowner's insurance on the property. Step number 11, we'll also make sure that you can get clear title on the property, that the seller doesn't owe anybody who has attached a claim to the property that cannot be fixed at the closing table. Step number 12, your due diligence period ends and we say that your earnest money goes hard. That means that it is very hard for a buyer to get it refunded after the 15th day of our Tallahassee contract. Step number 13, this will be where the seller makes the repairs and you'll have an opportunity to reinspect those repairs. Step number 14, you'll do a final walkthrough of the home to make sure that you're signing off on the home in the best condition that you're seeing it in the most current condition because you'll be signing off on it right at the closing table. And then at closing, you'll spend about 30 to 45 minutes signing documentation, basically saying that you are who you say that you are and you will officially become a homeowner. I hope that this series was helpful to you. Please go back and listen to parts one, two, and three in purchasing your home. As usual, I like to close out these episodes with a motivational quote. Today's quote is from Mel Robbins, and she says, there is only one you and there will never be another you. That's your power. Tune in next week for another episode of Confessions of a Realtor. That's it for today's episode of Confessions of a Realtor. If you're looking for an active full-time agent in the Tallahassee or surrounding areas, thinking about moving or just want more real estate tips and tricks, the best place to connect with me is my Instagram page, Rachel Sells Homes 850. You'll also find it linked in the show notes. My Instagram also has a link in the bio to schedule a complimentary consultation with me, whether you're thinking about selling or purchasing. Alternatively, feel free to text me at 850-206-2199 and I'll respond during business hours. I look forward to connecting with you. 